0: Hi ladies, thank you for being leaders in your Bible study groups. Get your green highlighter and green pen so that you can underline some important statements and make notes to help you lead ladies in a meaningful discussion of God's Word. Let's delight in studying and sharing the precious words of the Lord to us. This is the Leader's Guide for Ezekiel, and I'm sorry about my voice. You have to turn up your um, (laughs) audio. I am covering Unit 4, The Truth is Told, Lessons 3 and 4. And um, our groups are covering three lessons, Unit 4, and um, we'll be on one podcast. Unit 5, Lesson one we'll be on another podcast. And I'm going to recommend things to Skip or for leaders to state, because our groups are covering three units. So I'm on page 85, and first paragraph, chapter 13, is an interesting one. And the rest of the sentence. There's a clear repetition of words and concepts throughout this chapter, which emphasize the wicked actions of the so-called prophets, which also emphasize the Lord's response to their foolishness. So we're going to highlight those, or you did highlight those. So just go directly to the bottom of page 87 and ask, based on the question at the bottom, how were the foolish prophets described and what did they say? Um, they were prophets of Israel. They prophesied out of their own hearts. They were foolish. They followed their own spirits. They're like foxes in the desert, not building a wall. Uh, They envisioned futility and false divination. The Lord is against them. They would not be in the assembly. They seduced people. They plastered with untempered mortar. The women were prophesying out of their own heart. They (coughs) hunted souls with magic charms. They lied for food. They made their heart made the hearts of righteous sad and they strengthened the wicked. They made them do more wicked things. What did these prophets say? (coughs) They said, Thus says the Lord. And they spoke false divination, nonsense, lies, and they said, Peace when there was no peace. So these women were lying. At the top of page eighty eight. These prophets were boldly speaking as if on behalf of the Lord. So, no wonder he said enough. To save time, leaders can just briefly state the definition of these three words foolish is nabal, meaning stupid, wicked, godless. Futility is shav, and it means desolating, evil, uh, literally means something ruined. Figuratively, it refers to idolatry, something useless, (coughs) emptiness, and falsehood. Divination is the Hebrew word, kesem. It means lot, oracle, witchcraft, sorcery, fortune-telling, omens, occultism. Covers a lot, doesn't it? Ask the ladies the next question about the prophets in the desert. And um, the, what does this mean, And the plastered with untimbered mortar? So foxes in the desert were ravenous creatures, for one. Foxes are crafty and cunning. They build their dens and live among the ruins. So to be compared to a fox is not a compliment. Sneaky and subtle, and I'm um, really out, out for the kill. Adam Clark is a commentator, and he says, Fox is, um, can't read my writing, Fox gets the prey and runs to the desert to hide out there. So prophets were sneaky, deceiving people and brought harm to the people of Israel and led the nation astray. Untempered mortar is just whitewash. It's not a real repair. So it's um, showing hypocrisy, and the prophets were doing nothing. They were just giving false hope. So it's just emptiness. Leaders, you can briefly state the answer to the next question, who is described in Matthew 23. What's a similarity to the false prophets? Scribes and Pharisees are described, and they're similar because they also are hypocrites, whitewashing themselves, or, or they're like whitewashed um, tombs painted over to give the appearance of strength and beauty but actually they're dead and impure inside so they're giving a false picture just like the ezekiel's prophets were
1: the top of page
0: 89 ask the ladies um, about jesus teaching in matthew 7 it's appropriate in light of the pronouncements made against the false prophets of ezekiel's day and how does it relate to what we're studying I said, Jesus said that those who hear his words and act on them will have strong foundations and be able to stand firm in a storm. Foolish men, like prophets, don't act on the word of the Lord, and he will have great catastrophe. False prophets of Ezekiel's Ezekiel's day were like foolish men, leading others to catastrophe too. Then asked the next question also. And then after some discussion... Um, read the verse from the King James Version of Ezekiel thirteen eighteen, And this is about the pillows and kerchiefs. And go to the next page um, as we're looking at the women now. So the main point about these women is in the box. The Jewish women Ezekiel was exposing were more like sorceresses who claimed to be prophetesses. They practiced magical arts. So, leaders just state what you learn from the next question in Deuteronomy, that um, the instructions were not to imitate the detestable detestable customs of nations. Don't make your sons or daughters pass through the fire. Practice divination. Use tell fortunes, interpret omens, practice sorcery, cast spells, consult mediums, inquire the dead. It is detestable. And they were to be blameless instead. What did you learn? about the wicked practices of the Israelite women from Isaiah three sixteen through 26. They were haughty and walked with their heads held high and seductive eyes, and they walked with prancing steps, jingling their ankle bracelets, and wearing, um, I just summarized it with finery. The Lord will strip them of their finery and give them stench and rope, and sackcloth, and baldness, and branding, and that's just showing their um, captivity and their slavery. Next question, in Ezekiel 13, what was the judgment that the Lord announced that he would carry out against the practices of the women? So it says that the Lord is against their magic charms and veils, and he'll tear them off, and he will deliver his people out of their hands. And the ultimate goal is They shall know that I am the Lord. That is the Lord's ultimate goal. So now for something good. Let's look at a few Jewish women who did come to know that he is the Lord. These passages describe the sincere relationship that the women experienced with the Lord and how it showed in their lives. Matthew 26. The women approached Jesus. They came close to him. Oh, this one woman did. She poured out her expensive oil on him in an act of love and service and worship. <coughs> Jesus said it was preparation for his burial. She gave her best in front of everyone, and she was unashamed of her love for Jesus. In Luke eight, these women who had been healed by um, healed of evil spirits and sickness by Jesus traveled. With Jesus from place to place. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, um, Susanna. And they left their normal life behind to be with Jesus and support him with their money. In Acts 9, Tabitha is Dorcas. She's from Joppa. She was a disciple. A disciple is a student, a learner, a follower. So that one word says a lot. And she did good works and acts of charity. So ask the next question, how would you describe your relationship with the Lord? And how would he describe you? The next lesson, Unit 4, Lesson 4, Hypocrites and Heroes. Just go directly to the top of page 92. Get into Ezekiel 14 here. And in Ezekiel 14, 1 through 11, who is mentioned, the elders of Israel and Ezekiel. And we have the Lord speaking. Where does this take place? Ezekiel's house. What fraudulent actions are addressed? They have idols in their heart, idolatry, and then they came to God's prophet to inquire of him. Skip down to the last sentence of the um, exor- the next exercise, and you can start by saying Ezekiel 14, 3 through 11, or in that passage, we saw the impact that the idolatry of the heart has on the people's relationship with the Lord. So this is, we're answering the next question. Idolatry in the heart causes. From verse 4 and 5, it causes the people to be estranged from the Lord. Verse 7, it causes separation from the Lord. It also causes consequences. Verse 8, the Lord turns against that person and makes him a proverb and cuts him off from his people. Let's talk about the stumbling block. This is something that I'm just using a phrase from the italics. A stumbling block is something that you can't put out of your mind and something you can't stop thinking about. This should prompt us to consider possible idols that we've set up in our own hearts. What do you allow to come into your mind that doesn't belong there? Um, so this is a good discussion question to go over. Sometimes our longings, our desires, even good things, can just get stuck in our heads and become an idol. It could be things we're afraid of, things that tempt us. Um, we need to recognize when something is like a little uh, spark of fire that's gonna then take hold and just become a forest fire and get focused on. I um, also should be aware of things that um, I mean we need to be tuned in to what we need to to stomp out immediately and mm-hmm. get out of our minds. So be quick to um, do the verse at the bottom. Ask that next question, what should not be allowed to enter your thoughts according to Second Corinthians? Any high-minded thing, every high-minded thing that's raised up against the knowledge of God. What are these? Lofty opinions, arrogant obstacles, imaginations, arguments, things that are against what God says. Top of page 93. What are the right ways to think and thoughts to have based on the following verses? So Romans 12.3, don't think of yourself more highly than we should. Think sensibly, soberly, sound judgment. Philippians 4.8, you see the list there. Good discussion question next. What are some practical things you can do to think rightly? <coughs> <coughs> um, pay attention to our thoughts. Be discerning about our input and our people and places. Don't just stop the thought, but put the right thoughts in their place. Memorize scripture. Think on the attributes of God. Praise God. Thank God. In the middle of the page, italics, in the midst of many proclamations of imminent destruction, the Lord stretches out His hand with a gracious offer. What did the Lord say to the house of Israel in Ezekiel 14, 6? Repent! Turn away from your idols and turn your faces away from all your abominations. Hopefully repent is a familiar idea. So for time's sake, you can skip the rest of this page go to the second question on page 94 what's the lord's desire according to ezekiel 14 8 and 11 (coughs) you shall know that i am the lord in the middle of the next paragraph remember that the name of the lord yahweh is one that expresses a personal relationship now we'll hear the word of the lord spoken against false hope so ask this question that is not in the workbook. Based on the fill in the blanks, what are four judgments the Lord will bring against Israel? And hopefully they'll say, I mean, the answer is the last verse on 95. Verse 21, sword, famine, wild beast, pestilence. Also ask, how certain was this um, judgment to be? And um, read verse, have someone read verse 20. Even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They'd deliver only themselves. In the middle of the page, you can ask, What were the blessings and curses given in the Lord's covenant with his people? And go over what Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy uh, list. And I know that's all, there's a lot there to list, but that's how clear the Lord was. At the bottom of the page, what are your thoughts about the covenant that the Lord made with His people and the way that they responded to Him? For me, it's always sobering. I see so many blessings and so many warnings, and it was so clear. And I also wrote that it's so dear. Um, He told them... Depending on your time and your interest, you could skip the um, discussion of those men at the top of page 96. Um, But if you would read the first two sentences, the Lord referred in the midst of describing his wrath to come. The Lord made a surprising referral to three men from his hall of faith. Noah, Daniel, and Job had quite a reputation. Then skip down to the next italicized paragraph. Each of them was involved in interceding for or rescuing friends, family, and even animals. Keep reading that paragraph. Then you looked at the next um, verses, 14, 22, and 23. In spite of the destruction and death caused by the wrath of the Lord, what would be brought out of the land? And this is a remnant, both sons and daughters. What would Ezekiel and the exiles see? They'd see their ways and their doings, their deeds, their actions. What impact would this have on Ezekiel? Well, the words say he would be comforted, consoled when he sees their deeds, and he'll know that the Lord did nothing without cause. But you got to read that next paragraph. Ezekiel would see the remnant and their behavior and recognize, yes, their hearts and actions are rebellious, and the Lord was right to judge them. You can skip to the middle of the next page, 97, with that question that's in italics, but... Um, this could be a discussion question based on what we're talking about there with Ezekiel and what he saw. Can you accept the truth of the Lord when it's painful? Can you accept the hand of the Lord and His ways even when they're distressing? You can conclude this lesson with the um, first two sentences in that box at the bottom. There's no part of the conduct of God towards a man that's not dictated by the purest principles of justice, equity, and truth. He does nothing but what is right and whatever is right to be done that ought to be done. And don't forget, keep going. We've got more lessons to talk about now when we go over to page 102.